Hello, I'm Joy. And I'm Julie. And this is Mad Hatter's Club. Hi, everybody. On this episode, we're going to talk about dissociative identity disorder in specific. Uh, We're taking it a little bit easier than the first two episodes. We thought we needed a break from all the culty stuff and the nastiness. Uh, the sound's gonna be a little bit more isolated today because we're in different <laughs> in different locations at the moment. But we're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it work, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so dissociative identity disorder is a dissociative disorder. There's three different types of those, and it involves experiencing a disconnection and a lack of continuity between thoughts, memories, surroundings, actions, and your own identity. People with this disorder, uh, they usually escape reality in ways that are involuntary and unhealthy, and it can cause problems on their everyday life. Usually... These disorders of pet, like, they come about because the people suffered a pretty bad, uh, what's the word, abuse? I don't want to use abuse necessarily, but that's what it is. Yeah, they usually, yeah, they, they suffer from a lot of trauma and sexual abuse apparently is really connected to to this because that's like when i looked up for like causes quote unquote causes that's one of like the one that showed up the most and it's when it for it to cause such a disorder like a dissociative disorder it needs to happen at a certain age when they are below the age of 10 And it needs to be constant. It needs to happen a lot. And because when you're below the age of 10, your personality has not finished. Like, I guess you don't, you haven't finished. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Ah. When you are at that age, when you're a kid, anywhere from whenever you're born to around the age of 9 or 10, your personality is quote-unquote not finished cooking. And just any type of thing that may affect you can change it like that. It can cause a lot of problems. That and dissociative identity disorder, DID, is mostly caused by that type of trauma. And I'm going to talk later about an article that I found about 12 murderers that 
were diagnosed with DID. And it's so cool because they actually corroborated like the diagnosis. They went, the people that did the, the article, they went through um, the type of abuse. Like they found that the type of abuse that they suffered as kids, the symptoms that they had as kids and as adults, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'll talk about it later. Uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, actually, dissociative identity disorder, uh, they, usually, they usually develop as a reaction to trauma and help keep difficult memories at bay. Uh, symptoms range from amnesia to alternate identities and dependent part on the type of dissociative disorder you have. Like I said, there's three. There's one called dissociative amnesia, and I don't remember what the other one was called. Uh, uh, Times of stress can temporarily worsen the symptoms, making them even more obvious than they sometimes already are. It says that treatments for dissociative disorders usually include psychotherapy and or medication, most of the time I believe both. And although they can be difficult, many people learn new ways of coping and lead healthy, productive lives even after they are diagnosed, or even if they aren't, but it's easier after you're diagnosed. All of this is from the Mayo Clinic. It's cited in my notes if you're looking at them. (laughs) And I also found the definition of not the definition, yeah, what it is, of dissociative disorders according to the American Psychiatric Association, the APA. Yes, the same one as the format that they ask you to use when you write essays or papers in college, in certain colleges. Some use MLA. They say basically the same thing that they're associated with overwhelming experiences and traumatic events and or abuse that occurred in childhood. And it was referred to before being dubbed DID, it used to be called multiple personality disorder. And that's what most people still call it today, even though that's not the name of it now. Uh, they go a little bit more, I think I they go into it a little bit more than the Mayo Clinic site. Uh, I found like a criteria for their notes, this is what they call it. It says uh, one of them is the existence of two or more distinct personalities or personality states and personality states in quotation marks. The distinct personalities are accompanied by changes in behavior, behavior, memory, and thinking. And the signs and the symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the individual themselves. So if you notice it, if you guys notice, whoever's listening, if you guys notice yourself going through any of these and you think you need to talk to somebody, Please do. Please do. Uh, Another symptom is ongoing gaps in memory about everyday events, personal information, and or past traumatic events. For example, 
that's called regression i believe in some cases here is like yeah it's related right uh for example a little bit of personal information my mom was once dating someone when i was a kid that wasn't very good and after they broke up my brain blocked the memories of anything we did with that guy like anything we went out as a quote-unquote family and i know for a fact that i don't have any dissociative disorder but you don't need to have a dissociative disorder to just sometimes dissociate from everything and just not remember right joy right yes she said yes she can hear me but you guys can't hear her <laughs> We're separate rooms. We're separate buildings. <laughs> We are, yeah. The symptoms cause significant distress, problems in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. So these symptoms can... <laughs> Joy slowly raising her hand. Uh, the symptoms can become a problem in everyday life, basically. Because, you know, they also add, like, the APA ads that, in addition, the disturbance must not be a normal part of bodily except a cultural or religious practice. Because in the DSM-5, yes, the DSM is brought into this, uh, there's many cultures in the world which experience being possessed as part of a spiritual practice and not as actual dissociative psychological disorders or psychiatric disorders. Yeah, they don't they don't really think oh it's a psychological problem. It's not in their brain. It's just We're practicing our religion. Yeah, most of the time it's like, oh, spirits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also say that the attitude and personal preferences of a person with DID uh, may suddenly shift and shift back. Uh, personal preference would be food, uh, like favorite food activities, like their style of like clothing and music, all of that. The identities happen involuntarily. Again, involuntarily, I need to stress this, the people that suffer from DID do not control it. They suffered a lot of abuse and trauma as children And this personality just split off in their heads, okay? Please understand that. I know you, people listening to us right now probably do understand it. But for the rare 0.0001% that don't know what the hell we're talking about, they cannot control it. <laughs> they are... Most of the time, some want it, and they can cause distress. People with DID may feel that they have suddenly become observers of their own speech and actions, or their bodies may feel different. 
And it says an example is like a small child, like an opposite gender or huge and muscular. So depending on the alter, which is a word that they use to describe the different personalities within one subject, within one person, uh, the alter can have like, for example, you are a white, skinny, blonde man. But one of your alters is an Indian male that's five foot six. And they talk differently than you, and they look differently than you, and they feel differently than you. That's what this is saying. They, uh, the APA says that the Sidron Institute knows that a person with DID, quote, feels as if she was within her two or more entities each with its own way of thinking and remembering about herself and her life. It is important to keep in mind that although these alternate states may feel or appear to be very different, they are all manifestations of a single whole person. Uh, they say that other names used to describe alternate states, including alternate personalities, alters, state of consciousness and identities so alters i believe is the word used mostly by mainstream media when it comes to the dad community because there's a pretty large dad community on the internet actually in like any social media at all they're on youtube they're on tiktok they're on twitter what yes joyce yes joy is saying that they <laughs> Yeah, Joy's saying that most people, the like the ones with the AD in social media, they tend to be pretty like in there. They write memoirs and books about it. And she found a podcast about a dude that has the AD is actually pretty successful and he wrote a book. The podcast is not about him. The episode. The episode was about him. The specific episode was about him. Like the podcast or the episode? Mindful things? Sounds interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, you guys can check it out if you want. It's called Mindful Things again. Uh, <laughs> APA again says for people with the ID, the extent of problems functioning, like everyday functioning, can vary very much from minimal and significant, like from minimal things to significant problems. And people often try to minimize the impact of their, of their symptoms. <laughs> Again, this is all by the American Psychiatric Association. And the one I said before was by the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> okay, so... Joy, do you want me to talk about my article or do you want to do the thing you're doing? I can go ahead. Okay. So the article. Yes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that.
not a weirdo. Okay. Yeah. So right now I'm going to talk about the article that I mentioned earlier. And the article is actually linked in my notes. No, it's actually on the drive. That's where it is. It's called Objective Documentation of Child Abuse and Association in 12 Murderers with DID. And it's by... Yes, 12. (laughs) Joan made a face. Yes. Joan made a face. It's 12. Yeah, it, yeah, they were convicted murderers. They killed people. Yeah, I think I uploaded uploaded it twice by accident. The article is by Dr. Dorothy Otno Lewis, uh, Catherine A. Yeager, M.A., Yael Suica. I'm butchering this name, sorry. Jonathan H. Pincus, MD, and Melvin Lewis, MBBS, FRC site, DCH. A lot of letters. Um, but they're all apparently very, like, reputable. They, ha- they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the other oh, article you can find it on Google if you look for DID and they there's a tab that says scholarly articles. That's one of the ones there. Uh, the point of this was to corroborate the connection between child abuse and DID. I believe that's it. Yes. And they, the study consisted of 11 men and one woman who were diagnosed with DID according to the DSM-4 defined it, according to how the DSM-4 defined it. They were... Yeah. Yeah. The data that they gathered was from medical uh, records, psychiatric like reports, social services, school and military and prison records and from like interviews with subjects, family members and other people. Uh, they also gathered handwriting samples, which I was really excited about when I read that. <laughs> And that were examined, and the data was analyzed qualitatively. Qualitatively? Yeah. Qualidad, no calidad. I'm reading the, what they call the abstract, or the, yeah, the summary, basically. The results, uh, it says that signs and symptoms of DID in childhood and adulthood will, were corroborated independently and from several sources in all 12 cases. In all 12 cases. 
and objective evidence and severe abuse was obtained in 11 of them out of the 12. Uh, the subjects had amnesia for most of the abuse and underreported it and marked changes in writing style and signatures were documented in 10 cases out of the 12. The Come on, there we go. The conclusions of the study is that it establishes once and for all the linkage between early severe abuse and DID. Uh, the data demonstrates that this disorder can be distinguished from malingering and from other disorders. The study shows that it is possible with great effort to obtain objective evidence of both the symptoms of DID and the abuse that engenders it. Is it? Uh, this... I'm trying to... Oh, wow. Uh, I believe it happened in 97. Oh, 96, actually. Revisions received March 24th and July 7th, received April 5th. 1996 so it was revised a couple of times but that was the last one uh no i'm guessing the article let me yeah they revise all the freaking time yes especially now with everything that's going on wikipedia is actually really making sure that their stuff is accurate I'm waiting for the PDF to open real quick because it's easier for me to read it that way, even though it is on the drive. Are you open? Come on. Open, open, open. It is. There we go. It opened. I have like three pages open. In my friggin' okay, so what I wanted to talk about, what I really wanted to talk about, was the table of con, like the little table that they have. They have two, actually, that one of them describes the gender of, excuse me, the twelve subjects the age of them at the time of the study, the simple, the, the simple, the symptoms and signs in childhood and in adulthood and how they corroborated those symptoms. If you want to look at it, you can. I think it's easier to go look at it in the PDF. So. But I don't know why the, t the table doesn't really show that well in the drive, I believe. But yeah, look at it. Uh, what like what was most striking to me is that a lot of again there's 12 male like, there's 12 subjects 11 of them male one of them female if you look at the symptoms and signs in either childhood or adulthood 
they're quite extensive. They're, they're like, it's not much in the space on the table, but they like, there's quite a few there. And then you look at the female and there's barely anything compared to the only female doesn't have much. Yeah. With the rest, yeah. But also the yeah, but the corroboration of the symptoms. Hers is also what happened? Which one did you read? Which one did you read? Mail number five. John Joy is reading mail number five. Fugues. Auditory hallucinations, yeah, amnesia. Oh, <laughs> war girls, panties, and sanitary napkins. That were the signs and slash symptoms as a child. And he was 30 at the time of the study. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so for that sake subject, male number five, right, age 30, the signs and symptoms in adulthood include trances, for example, astral projection, fugues and time laws, voice and demeanor changes, dressed as a female, different names, signatures, handwritings, different visual acuities. So that means that one of them might need glasses and the other one doesn't. Auditory hallucinations, amnesias, Two female and four male personalities states identified. And the way that they corroborated the symptoms for him were through his mother, brother, aunt, uncle, stepmother, stepfather, childhood friends, adult and child psychiatrists, psychological records, school records, handwritten documents, and letters. So they went deep into this. Uh, the other, that that is the first table. And that one is actually called Child and Adult Symptoms and Signs of DI of Dissociation and Sources of Confirmatory Data for 12 Murderers with DID. I'm abbreviating some other things. The other table. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip a little bit and go to the second table, which is... Page 1708, look for that one. That is called Nature and Documentation of Childhood Maltreatment of 12 Murderers with DID. And in this, they tell you which subject they're talking about. The physical abuse that they went through. Yes, Joyce making faces. Yes. The physical abuse that they went through. The sexual abuse that they went through, if any. The documentation of... Like how they found out about said abuse, uh, their informants, which is the people that they talked to, and if they had any scars. This one is a bit more, is like quite more graphic than the first one. Yeah. Subject number three, which is one of the males, uh, 
They had severe beatings by the mother, father, and neglect. They had got a forgot to warn you guys in the beginning of this. We're probably gonna. I am gonna talk about some other things that happened to them. So if you're triggered by it, you might want to skip ahead. Yeah, very big trigger warning. Uh, the sexual abuse that was suffered by Subject 3 was by his mother and insists with his sister and his brother. Uh, the documentation that... Yeah, Subject 1, Joy is saying that Subject 1 suffered similar sexual abuse. Uh, the, the documentation that they found this out through for subject three was neglect petitions, petition for termination of parental rights, brother's social work, welfare records reveal subjects incest with mother, school records report father's violence. Uh, the informants in the case of subject three were the brother, a childhood friend, neighbor, and his wife. And then they, he had scars in the head, face, back, and his chest. So. Oh, wow. Subject two was thrown into a wall by his father. Ages 14 months and three years. Damn, he was a baby. Causing an indentation of the skull, like fractured by his father at age five, tied up naked and beaten by the mother, set afire by his siblings. That's subject number two. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I just read the sexual part of the abuse that he went through. Ugh. Nobody ever should go through any type of abuse. Okay, so that's just two examples of there's 12 of these. So look at number nine, which it doesn't say in the second table, but that's a female. That's the only female. For physical abuse, it says not reported. For sexual abuse, it's just a sexual abuse by father. For like documentation says medical records for treatment for hysterical seizures informants include the father who refused to allow the mother to be interviewed alone and the parents actually denied the abuse and for scars there were none noted so you see the difference yeah but do you see the difference between the male and the female Cases, they can barely get any information on the females, on the female one, number 10, damn, yeah, we were supposed to take a lie, make it short, keep it short, no, no, it's still sad, so very bad, <laughs> Joy is just shaking her head. We're on a Zoom call while doing this, by the way. <laughs> I like how it says suspected sexual abuse. 
by the father and the grandfather and the great grandfather. Yeah. Oh. And by his aunt, actually, it says here. And with his sister. Poor kid. Because, again, this all happened while they were children. I like how it says that the documentation for Subject 10 only says mother charged with unfit. Like, mother charged as unfit. And yet, the informants were his mom, an aunt, and childhood friends. And he has scars on his back. Oh, wow. <gasps> yeah, no, they had no informants. Either they couldn't find any or they just didn't want to talk. Did no, because it's not a legal proceeding. This is just a study that they were doing, so they didn't they legally weren't required to talk. Ah. Ah yes. Yes, I see that. So that alone would technically be enough. Because what he was in psychiatric treatment for could be attributed to past sexual trauma. And the fact that he has scars on his chest, back, arms, and legs, that also that also tells you quite a bit. So those are the two tables. They also have examples of writing, like different writing samples from... Sub for like from four subjects, they have three writing samples for each subject. The first one is subject number six. Actually, three subjects. There's two figures for subject number six, one for ten and one for seven. Now, Joy, I want you to look at those. I just want, because I know you kind of saw it through it last night, but the difference in these writing samples are shocking. And the fact that the first two, I believe so, It says that he had vivid imaginary companions. Yeah. I was going to say, and you can tell. And you can tell. And, and you can see that it's clearly at least. It looks like six. No, at least five different people wrote the samples. Because they're taken from his diaries and his letters. And it looks like five different people wrote them. 
It looks like at least five different people. Cause the last signature in one of the in one of the letters, you can see that it kind of matches sample number two from his diaries. I'm talking to Joy, by the way, guys. <laughs> We're looking at it through Zoom. You can you can see that the like the last signature matches matches sample number two from his diaries. So that one's there, but the other four Mm-hmm. Chicken signature. The and the J. Eh, the J is actually not that similar. I see it. 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 We're doing some deep handwriting analysis here, as basic as we can get, but we're going in deep. We're looking at it. Yeah, I see. But it looks like the first signature and the first sample don't really match that much. The M might. The M by the by me kind of matches one of the M's at the end of the first line. But I, it's not that similar, you know? It could be, but it couldn't. I don't think it is. I like how the second sample and the last signature, it's clearly a female. And I'm trying to... Hell yeah, it looks like a autograph that you get from like a famous person. No, I don't think they do. Manuscript, yeah. On script. Yeah. And those two are from this, yeah, and those two are from subject number six, but then there's a sample from the letters of subject number 10. Oh, that's a cute cage. <laughs> With the back cuts. There's a sample from subject number 10. Now we can go up to the table, check subject number 10. Uh, refers to self in third person, not binary before it was cool. Four male personality states identified for subject 10. Four different males identified. So that's all males. Yeah, you can totally see that. The last sample for subject number 10, it looks like hieroglyphs to me. I can barely understand. I cannot read it. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I'm trying to read. Pin, pin him in a cell. Is that the first couple of words of the last sample? That, that doesn't even make much sense, but damn. Yeah, and that's sample number three of those. 
I also have the letter from the YMCA in Rochester. This is a letter clear. Subject number seven, the signatures, yeah. They all, <laughs> the first and the last one look like autographs. And then there's the middle one. It looks like a tiny signature of like, like a teenager learning to, <laughs> to sign in cursive. Okay, so let's see who subject seven was. Auditory hallucinations, yes. Two female and five male personalities. Two female and five male. Yeah. The first and the third could be female signatures. And the male, depending on how old one of the male alters was, could be the second one. The middle one. <laughs> Here we are. Analyzing handwriting. Because that's just what we do. <laughs> Did this is what we find entertaining? Yes. It is. Look, it says here, I'm quoting this straight verbatim from the article. The majority of the males with DID that were that we have seen have not been clinic outpatients, but rather have been examined in prisons where they were incarcerated for violent crimes. On the basis of our clinical experience, we suspect that the diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder is overlooked in males more often than it is in females because of violent behaviors of the protector alternate personality states of men go under, quote, unrecognized, and the violence is regarded instead as quote, sociopathy. As a result, males with dissociative, with this disorder are far more likely than their female counterparts to be arrested and incarcerated, which is still true to this day. They also say that the 12 murderers in our study were unaware of the psychiatric condition. They also had partial or total amnesia for the abuse they had experienced as children. Hmm. Contrary to the common, what? It did spare them from that, yeah. You want to hear the last paragraph? It's, it says, no, not really. It's, it's a conclusion. So it says, the extent to which it was possible in these murder cases to review old records and to your family and obtain objective documentation of symptoms and early abuse was, of course, unusual, which it is. Like, you saw all that they actually gathered just from public record. And in most cases of dissociative identity disorder, this degree of verification is not possible, which is also true to this day. Nevertheless, our experience... I'm just squeezing it, right, by the way. Uh, the 
when I say it's to this day is because it is. Uh, nevertheless, our experience with these 12 murder cases illustrates that with sensitivity, diligence, and an appropriate and appropriate sorry appropriate resources, corroborative external evidence of prior dissociative symptoms and of early extreme abuse in adult patients with dissociative identity disorder is there to be found. If you look for it, you can actually find it, Joy. We may not have always be able to obtain this extensive a body of documentation for all of our patients, but we must try. That is the last paragraph of this whole article. And then there's the references. And they have 28, by the way. But yeah. So... What do you think, Joy? I know they can't hear you from my side, but I'll tell them what you tell me. What do you think? This whole article. I wasn't expecting to find this article. I just Googled freaking DID cases. And I saw the tab that says scholarly articles. And I was like, okay. And I scrolled on a few. And I saw the title. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I saw the rest of it. <laughs> What do you think, Joy? White eyes. Yes, people are fucking horrible. She looked like the eyes emoji before she said that. They are horrible to their kids. The one that might not have been horrible to their kids was that one mother from one of the subjects that was declared unfit as a mother. Which is the one that I think got abused by his dad, granddad, and great-granddad. He was living with them. But yeah, one of the mothers was a color fit. I was wrong about that, which subject it was. But yeah. Joy, I'm just saying that. Joy, Joy. <laughs> Joy just keeps saying people are horrible with like the aurora borealis behind her on Zoom. People are horrible though. I don't blame you. People are horrible. There's people who don't deserve to be parents in any way. Oop. <laughs> But yeah. So. <laughs> She need her so I'm surprised I haven't grabbed my appa that I made earlier <laughs> in the year. I made this appa plushie that Joy saw because I crochet and I crocheted a giant appa plushie. And whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, I hold him and or my Snorlax. But I might go cry in the bathroom after this. So who knows? Maybe I will be holding them later. <laughs> <laughs> people are horrible people are you are completely right joy people are horrible this was not <laughs> i'm pretty sure you said the same thing about catholic cults when you were researching the catholic church you're like i hate this i hate this i grew up in the catholic church and yet i hate it 
I think it's not the first time or the last. I know it's not the last time we're gonna say this. It's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. <laughs> She's screaming at me, Joy. Why are you screaming at me? So my. Well, it is my fault. I decided the title of this episode. Just like I decided the title of episode one. <laughs> Just because you turned off the mic doesn't mean it all work. Okay, I still heard you. Not as loudly, though, but thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But, yeah. That was... Yeah, people are horrible. Again, if we ever make a blog, which I think we should, but I don't know how. If we ever make a blog, yeah, if we ever make a blog. What was that? Your partner texted you saying you sound like a dinosaur. Great. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say if we ever do form a blog, which we most probably will, show notes for all of the episodes that we have made so far. Yeah, articles, links, pictures, show notes for all of the episodes that have been out. Uh, will will be on the blog whenever it is that we get to it. Uh, that is my time done. So now we're gonna move on to Joy Joy. Happy Joy Joy. Happy Joy Joy. <laughs> okay. Um, now for my segment. Um, I'm going to start out with the split moving because I think that's the case that a lot of people know. And I think that's going to be the easiest way to start off this segment, at least for me. I looked up some information and I tried to look into the character's background. But honestly, all I could find is that Kevin, his name is Kevin Crumb, um, the, the one with the multiple personalities. I found that his mother had OCD and then that carried on to one of his personalities and that his father died when he was very young. Um, I found that he has a total of 24 personalities, and I personally split them into three categories. We have Kevin. He is the main personality slash ego slash host of the system, and he also seems to be continually pushed to the back. I don't really remember seeing him in the movie, although it's been a while since I've seen him, so maybe I just need to watch it again. And refresh my own memory. Um, next, we have quote the horde is a group of personalities composed by Dennis. He has his own OCD and he has manipulative tendencies. He's the one that also kidnaps the three girls. Um, we have Patricia. She is the one that cooks for the system and feeds the system. She also has psychotic tendencies. And Hedwig. He is a nine-year-old nine-year-old boy. He likes music. He likes Kanye West. He is, for whatever reason, able to steal the light from the rest of the personalities, and he will often hand the light over to um, Dennis and Patricia. 
The Horde worships the 24th forming personality, aka the Beast. He is, that is the third category. The Beast is very dangerous. He can alter the chemistry and physiology of the host's body in order to make him um, super strong, super fast. Uh, his skin is impenetrable, etc. All the things that we see uh, represented in the movie. And then we have the rest of the system composed of the other 19 personalities, not including, of course, um, Kevin. It would be... Yeah. 19, I think, a total of 19 people, give or take. Um, here we have Barry. He is the passionista who likes to go to therapy. We also have Jade Orwell Heinrich, or Heinrich, Norma Goddard, Bernice, Polly, Luke, Raquel, Feliza, Ample, Jalen, Kat, BC, Samuel, Mary, and Ian Reynolds. They're twins. And Mr. Pritchard. I'm pretty sure I butchered some of those names, but those aren't names I normally hear. Anyways, I think I've—I don't think I've ever heard anyone use say Heinrich or Heinrich, whatnot, whatever. I'm sorry for butchering it. I really am. Anyways, um, the horde worships the beast, while the rest of them hope for the return of Kevin, who gets continually pushed to the back. His case from what I found, was supposedly based off the case of Billy Milligan. Billy also has 24 personalities. He went to jail for kidnapping, raping, and robbing three girls. Um, on the Ohio State University campus in October of 1977. Um, He was identified from previous mug shots, mug shots of sex offenders and um, through fingerprints. One of the victims said that he acted like a three-year-old girl and he was nice. Um, there was also a gun found and he that was also used towards evidence. He was at first diagnosed with schizophrenia and then it was diagnosed during the trial with um DID although at the time I think I believe it was called MPD multiple personality disorder and then it became called uh DID dissociative identity disorder he his stepfather was accused um of abusing him and that's essentially how his personality began um forming much like other patients he was treated and personalities were attempted to be integrated. He died at the age of 59 of cancer, I believe, in a nursing home. He was also the first person to be acquitted, I guess. He was declared innocent, or not, not innocent, but he was declared not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was sent to a psychiatric hospital until such time as he regains his sanity and was fit to stand trial. That, I believe, never happened. So he never truly, quote, faced justice or, like, the victims never got justice because he was never truly sane. Um, 
but yes, I believe I found information stating that he was the person the split movie and character was based on. Um, his home life wasn't exactly stable. His mom moved a lot and she married and divorced people like men here and there. So I couldn't really find evidence of sexual abuse or physical abuse. I did find, however, that his stepfather, um, Chalmer, I don't see his last name right now, but Chalmer was accused of uh, sexually abusing him, although that was never corroborated. The articles that I found kind of just focused on the fact that he had multiple personalities, kidnapped uh, these three women, and went to jail. Another case that I want to talk about would be Kim Noble. Kim Noble was born in the 1960s. She was abused repeatedly, and this caused her to fragment into over 20 personalities. Some articles that I found said that it was 20. Some articles that I found said that it was 100. The exact number is unknown. What is what is known about her, what we do know about her, is that she is an artist. She first started using art as a way to bond with her daughter and later found that it was very therapeutic and cathartic, so she began using it as a way to communicate and help her other personalities heal from the trauma and abuse that was perpetrated against them. During several interviews, Patricia, one of her main, more objective, stable personalities, one of the more dominant personalities, has stated that Kim Noble exists only in documentation and paperwork, but in reality, she fragmented so much that Kim Noble as an ego, as a personality, does not exist anymore. Pieces of Kim can essentially just be found across all of her personalities. Um, some of the personalities are traumatized and suspended in time by the trauma. Some have no memory of the trauma and just know that they exist within this body. Some lead responsible lives and some are destructive in their own right. The more dominant personalities are the objective and stable Patricia, who I mentioned just a little bit ago. We have the responsible worker Haley and the 15-year-old Judy. Judy has um, body image issues, and I think I saw somewhere that she also has um, an eating disorder, but I'm not entirely sure because there's, I think, two personalities that have eating disorders, and I'm not entirely sure which is which. They were sort of glossed over. There's also Abby, who's single and looking for love, the young maternal Bonnie, and the depressed. Some places also mention that he is gay. That would be Ken. There's Julie. She's disturbed and aggressive. There's also somewhere a pedophilic personality, which we don't really know who it is. I could not find the name to this personality. I couldn't even find any further evidence of this personality. All the information that I could find is that um, the responsible worker, Haley, she at one point began fronting. She took control of the host and found herself in a pedophilic ring situation that she did not want to be in. So she left and she went to the police and reported this pedophile ring. She was 
threatened and told to not testify to remove the charges and stuff. And she didn't. Her and Patricia decided to stick it out. And when Patricia came to, at one point, she found that her house was in flames. The host, Kim, has had at least two attempts on her life by this pedophile ring. One which was um, acid. She had acid thrown on her face, or they threw acid on her face. And then the second one, they poured accelerant on her bed while she was in it and then around her house and lit it on fire in an attempt to kill her. She woke up, however, of course, in the middle of the night, found that there was liquid on her bed, got up her house, like someone had set her house her house on fire, and she left. And when they came to, they were standing outside the house just watching it all go up, go up in flames. Um, that I imagine created another personality, and some places say that Kim came too, like she fronted while standing outside the house. And after that point, there's no further mention of Kim anywhere. Aside from that point on, it's just it's just Patricia, essentially talking about everything. Um, and that's that's essentially um, how how that went. That pedophilic personality isn't really mentioned by name. It just says that Haley came to, and there she was, involved with this ring, and she left. Um, there's also Dawn. This ego is trapped in what I consider to be a nightmare. She is trapped in the trauma of having their daughter taken away from them at the hospital because the hospital saw that she has a long history of mental disorders, so they took the baby away as soon as she was born. And when Dawn fronts, she is essentially always looking for her daughter. And Amy, who is as old as I found her being, like, the last that I found, the newest thing that I found was her being 14. Whenever um, Dawn comes to the forefront, Amy has to let her know, like, I'm here, you got me back, etc. Um, Rhea is one of the younger personalities. She is 12, and she is speculated that Rhea holds the memories of what triggered the dissociation. She doesn't want to talk about it. She rarely fronts. She usually fronts when she's painting, which is one of the other ways that Patricia and Kim and the other personalities have found of healing each other. There's at least, I think, 12 different personalities that contain that are artists. Um, they went through a lot of trouble to get Amy back. They had to prove that they could work cohesively, and they had to prove that they could be stable enough to have their daughter. At first, the state gave them Amy and then put a care order which um, they were essentially under the supervision of the state to make sure that she was in fact fit enough to take care of her daughter. After a few years, they decided that yes, she was responsible, like the dominant personalities were responsible and caring and like benign enough to take care of the daughter without having to be supervised, so they stopped super supervising. Um, and it's really cute. At one point, uh, Patricia 
during an interview talks about how she doesn't mind seeing the money in her bank account disappear while she's like while they're out shopping and whatnot especially if it's to buy things for amy and she says that in regards to an experience that they had during one of amy's first days in which they went shopping for the system as a whole went shopping for a birthday gift and at least a dozen or more of the personalities could not agree on one gift to give her to give the to give amy so they ended up just buying over a dozen different gifts one from each of the personalities so amy just had a over a dozen gifts when she came home from school there was just a bunch of gifts and patricia says that she doesn't mind seeing her money disappear like her money being taken out of the bank account um because each personality is different and each of them interacts differently with Amy. As for Amy, she knows about her mom's condition. She knows that, you know, her mom went through some stuff and that's why she has different personalities. She doesn't know specifics, but she does understand that, you know, her mom didn't exactly have an easy life um, growing up and that's why she has multiple personalities. She knows the different personalities by name she interacts with them differently. She regards Patricia as her mother. She regards Bonnie as her mother. Judy is more of a sister or a friend. Um, Abby is more of a friend. Um, Rhea is more of a sister whenever they do interact, which isn't often because Rhea doesn't really like to come to the forefront that much. But she, she knows that she is loved by all the personalities and she knows she loves the personalities and she feels safe at home. She knows that the personalities take care of her and they have kept her safe thus far. I imagine they have arguments like every mother-daughter duo, but at the same time, the personalities have been known to treat her very well and take care of her very well. And the state has never, as far as I've found, the state hasn't had to get involved to remove Amy because one of the more aggressive personalities decided they wanted to take over and hurt Amy. Um... The next case I want to talk about is the case of Jenny Haynes. Jenny Haynes was, quote, abused by her parents repeatedly until she created 2,500 personalities separate from each other. Jenny Haynes has 2,500 personalities within her own mind. Um, and even though it says parents in this line that I found, it's not really parents, it's parents. Um, Jenny Jenny was abused by her father sexually and, and um, she was physically abused by her father. She was beaten and raped uh, repeatedly. Um, her family moved from Bexleyheath. I It's in London. I don't know how to pronounce that. I am so sorry for, butcher, for butchering it. I am terribly sorry. Um, to Sydney, Australia, in they moved from London to Sydney, Australia, in 1974. Jenny was four years old at this point. Her father had already begun his abuse, and in Sydney, it escalated into sadistic, into quote sadistic, nearly daily violations. End quote. I found this from BBC.com. They have a very thorough article on how the trial went titled Dissociative Identity Disorder, The Woman Who Created 
2,500 personalities to survive. It's an article by Francis Mao, Mao, M-A-O. I'm so sorry for that. Um, BBC News Sydney. The article is from September 6, 2019. Um, in this article, it tells you that Jenny was four years old. Her father had already started the abuse. Haynes, the father, abused Jenny almost daily, beating and raping her, though she believes her mother and her siblings knew nothing of it. She has a younger, she has a, a brother and a sister. Haynes controlled her everyday life in, in every way imaginable. Um, he threatened to kill her mother and siblings and convinced her he could read her mind so that he could control her better. Um, it, it, she was convinced to the point that he could read her mind that she organized her thoughts um, as, as if they were song lyrics so that I guess he would be confused or that he could hide things from her. It says, quote, my inner life was invaded by dad. I couldn't even feel safe in my own head, unquote. Jenny said, um, I could no longer examine what was happening to me and draw my own conclusions. She composed her thoughts through song lyrics to try to hide them. For example, he ain't heavy slash he's my brother. When worrying about her siblings, do you really want to hurt me slash do you really want to make me cry? Uh, when she wants to think about her ordeal. Um, her father restricted her social activities at school to minimize other adults' oversight. Jenny learned to keep herself small and silent because if she were to be, quote, seen, such as when her swimming coach approached her father to encourage her natural talents, she would be punished. Um, Jenny was also denied medical care for her injuries from beatings and sexual abuse, which have developed into serious lifelong, lifelong conditions. That That is how he got away with all, with all of it. Um, Julie was screaming about how doctors didn't notice all the abuse if he was taking her to the doctor for her injuries. Um, she, because of, I, I mentioned this earlier while I was researching the case, now age 40, quote, now age 49, Jenny has irreparable, irreparable damage to her eyesight, jaw, bowel, anus, and coccyx. There have been required extensive surgeries. These have required extensive surgeries, including a colostomy operation in 2011. Um, she at one point mentions that like he saw the blood and he saw the damage and he saw her cry and he saw the terror in her eyes and he continued to do it. Um, he did it again and again through her childhood. Jenny, the host, was often pushed to the back by Symphony, a four-year-old. Jenny claims that through the abuse, Haynes was really just abusing Symphony, not herself. Through the years of abuse, Haynes inflicted on his daughter, the damages to her body were so severe that she needed several surgeries later on in life. Um, Symphony, having taken over the host over and over, as the abuse continued, created her own personalities and alter egos to take over a certain amount of the experiences. The personalities were mostly aware of one another, and during the court case, prosecution allows Jenny to bring forth, forth her other personality, starting with Symphony and then moving on to the others. Um, from what I could find, a total of six personalities testified in the case. Um, Haynes, the father, only managed to get through two and a half hours of Symphony's increasingly traumatizingly detailed description of the abuse. 
before he changed his plea to guilty. Jenny went to the police about everything when she was 29, and it took, 20, it took about 10 years for everything to be done and her father to get convicted. Um, he only, they, Symphony spoke two and a half hours on what happened on the second day of the trial, on what happened in 1974 alone. 1974 alone before her father changed his plea to guilty and the proceedings were essentially um, continued. Overall, Jenny says that Symphony, the first personality she created, exists in her own time reality. She suffered every minute of dad's abuse and when he abused me, his daughter Jenny, he was actually abusing Symphony. Um, as, the, as the years went on, Symphony created other personalities herself who endured the abuse. Each one would be hundreds and hundreds. Each one of the hundreds and hundreds of personalities had, has a particular role in containing an element an element of the abuse, whether it was a particularly horrifying assault or a triggering sight and smell. Um, an author would walk out of Symphony's head and take on the distraction, uh, Jenny told the BBC. My alters have been my defenses against my father. That's a direct quote from Jenny. Um, it's while discussing this that Symphony presents about half an hour into our conversation. Jenny has warned this might happen and there's a sign when it does, when the dissociation begins um, Jenny struggles to articulate the last answer she was going to be giving. Hello, I'm Symphony. Jenny's gotten, her, gotten into a pickle. I'll come tell you all about this if you don't mind, Symphony says in a rapid burst immediately after uh, Jenny dissociates and Symphony takes over. Um, we talked for 15 minutes and her microscopic recollection of decades-old events about around daddy's nastiness. Quote, that is direct quote from what Symphony says. It's astounding. Uh, what I did was I took everything I thought was precious about me, everything important and lovely, and I hid it from daddy so that when he abused me, he wasn't abusing a thinking human being. Essentially, she made herself into a shell. Symphony dissociated. She forced Jenny to dissociate, and then Symphony herself, in a way, dissociated so they could get through the things that happened. Um, some of the people, it, it has it with quotes, quote, but like some of the personalities that Jenny says helped her survive um, through the abuse was muscle. He is a teenager styled like elite idol. He is tall and wears clothes, but shows off his strong arms. He's calm and protective. He just reminds me of a kid from the 80s in PE class with like tank top and shorts. Um, there's Volcano and Ricky. Uh, Volcano is uh, tall and strong. Ricky is only eight and wears a gray suit. He's a redhead. There's Judas. He has short red hair. He always looks like he's about to speak. Linda slash Magus, I guess that's one of those things her father called her, is tall and slender. He's She's wearing a 1950s skirt with a pink photo up peak. Her hair is in an elegant bun and she has tapered eyebrows. And then there's Rick. He wears huge glasses. They dark his face and <coughs> sorry. They're the same kind of glasses that uh, Richard Haynes, Jenny's father, used to wear. Um, 
The trial was heard only by the judge because the lawyers thought that the case would be too traumatizing for a jury. Haynes initially faced 367 charges, uh, amongst them multiple counts of rape, buggery, indecent assault, and a carnal knowledge of a child under 10. Um, Stephanie had intended to relive in excruciating details the particulars of the crimes over the seven years in Australia. Muscles, a barely 18-year-old strongman, would have given evidence of physical abuse, while Linda, an elegant young woman, would have testified on the impact on Jenny's schooling and relationships, the abuse that it all had. Each of the personalities uh, relived and testified on different aspects of the abuse and how it affected her. Symphony, quote, was hoping to use the testifying to grow up too, says Jenny, but we only got through 1974 before he rolled over and showed his belly. He couldn't deal with it. Um, her father pleaded guilty on 25 charges, quote, the, the worst one. <clears throat> and then dozens more were counted towards his sentencing after the trial. The reason, because this all happened when Jenny was a child, she could have remained anonymous. She decided not to because she wanted people with CID who were abused. She wanted them to know that there is justice. She wanted them to know that they can now be uh, diagnosed and they, you know, even with their, quote, I guess, insanity or mental illness diagnosis, they can still get the justice that they deserve. And it's true, you you still can get that, um, get the justice that you deserve. She talked a lot about how people don't understand it, people don't understand her. Um, she says that like, she doesn't mind her personality, so that she shouldn't have to live like that. He, her father did cause her, her disorder. Um, She wanted her story told. She she talks a lot about how it's possible for you to get justice and how she wanted her story told because she wanted to be an example for people. She wanted other people to know what was done to her and she wanted other people to know that she she got the justice that she deserved and the justice that Symphony as a four year old deserves. She's obviously still going to therapy and she's trying to get better, but above all, she wanted her story told because not only did she want justice for herself, she wanted justice for other people. And those are some of the cases that I found.